Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Canon Mark Eldridge, and I am uh, a Director of Anglican Revitalization Ministries. It's a ministry of the American Anglican Council, and I've had the, the privilege and real joy to be with you at All Saints this, this entire weekend, uh, doing what we call the Revive Weekend. And I was asked to, to, to conclude the weekend here by, by giving the message in the sermon time uh, to you. So I'm honored to do that and thankful. I'm thankful that you did the children's sermon. <laughs> That's a lot of my comfort zone, but I can do it. I just said this. So, uh, but thank you for that. Um, but let me go ahead and just pray and, and we'll enter into this this time. So, Father, thank you so much for this, for this church, God. Thank you for all the saints. Thank you, God, for you. You are the light of the world. Just come into our midst. Bring us out of darkness into the light, into the truth. And, and I thank you for the, what you've done and are doing and will do in the life of this church in Springfield. Father, we just ask that you come and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I preach on these week, revived weekends, one things I find it's helpful to do is to, is to really speak to and address those of you who weren't able to be a part of the, the rest of the weekend, which is always the case, and that's normal. So, so to just sort of let, let you in on some of the things that, that we talked about Friday night and Saturday, and, and, and so just to kind of let you be engaged in the conversation as well as the, uh, everyone who's able to be a part of the, the other two days. Um, and just uh, and, and then for those of you who are there, kind of bring a recap of some of the highlights of the high points of, of what we what we talked about to kind of capture that and um, and move forward into in, you know in the days to come. Uh, it, I find it really fascinating as I was preparing uh, in general, but even this morning as I was thinking about, I think the significance of of doing this revived weekend on the sun with the Sunday of the Transfiguration. And I know we didn't pick it because of that. We didn't say, what's a good weekend? Maybe before Lent would be great. And, and this weekend seemed to be a good one and would work. And so that was the reason. But I think God might have had his hand in that more than we knew. And that, and that um, so the reason I'm thinking that is because the, the transfiguration passage is a, it's a transitional uh, moment in, in not only uh, the litur- our liturgical life, our, our season of the church life, where we're, it's always the Sunday right before Ash Wednesday leading into Lent. So it kind of is the Sunday that we, we wrap up or kind of bring an end to the Epiphany season and transition into the season of Lent. Um, so we end Epiphany, go into the season of Lent where we're in a transition time, uh, preparing our hearts and minds looking forward to the, the new hope of the resurrection and the new life that's to come through that we celebrate on Easter. So it's just sort of this pivot point. Uh, but it's also just in the Gospels, it's, it's designed, it's a transitional moment in, in, in the Gospels themselves. So you just as you look, if you just sort of sit down and read through the, the, the Synoptic Gospels, you see this sort of this building up of, of the message to this sort of mountaintop moment where Jesus is transfigured. Because all through the, through the Epiphany season, we look at the readings that were really revealing Jesus as the, as the Messiah, that he really is the, the light that's come into the world, that he is the one true king. And so at his baptism 
you see that he's come up out of the water and you are my well-beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. And he began his public ministry. And he went around demonstrating the kingdom of God was at hand, proclaiming the kingdom of God was at hand, uh, doing miracles and signs and, and all these things that where people were kind of going, you know, the disciples, you see them progressing, going, could this be the one? Could he, is this really the Messiah? We think he is, and not sure. And it kind of builds, builds, builds to just before the transfiguration, and especially in Mark's gospel, chapter 8, there's this moment where, where uh, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You were the great, he, he got it. That the light came on. There's like no doubt. We know you're the Messiah. You're the one true King that's come to bring salvation uh, to the world. And so, so right after that's when they go up the mountain, and there's this transfiguration moment where it's abundantly clear he is revealed as the, the as, as God in flesh, the one true King. But the pivot point is, so after that moment in the Gospels, it's almost like physically, Jesus comes down the mountain, it shifts towards his going towards Jerusalem and to ultimately do what he came ultimately to do, which was to give his life as a ransom for many, to, to die on the cross, to take our sins upon himself, that, that, uh, and rise again from the dead, defeating death, so that all who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? So, so this, it's a pivotal transition time. I'm saying all that to say is one of the things that was we talked a lot about over this weekend was just how, how much All Saints is, has been in and is still in a, a bit of a transitional time. You, there's been a, you know, a series of changes in the last several years, not the least of which was the pandemic and all the things that changed and lost because of that. And, and there's a, a season of transitioning from an older, the last rector into a, a transition to a new rector, and then we're still in that new, new stages of having a new rector. So there's a transitional moment in the life of the, of the of all saints, and then you're you're kind of living into this season where what's next? What's the new season? As like just like we're doing here, going into Lent and then going into Easter, where we're, there's going to be a new day come, where we kind of have this sense of aha, we're arrived in this new this new season. And a lot of what we did on Revive was what does it look like to kind of to to to, to reset in some ways to to what is the future as we enter into this new season. So I don't know if that was helpful or not. I just think this idea of that, that, that there's a transitional moment was, I think, a, a godly, uh, there was an outward sign of that with the, with the Transfiguration Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, but, but what I really want to focus on then is what I kind of prepared for was I, I really wanted to focus in on the concept of light. There's a theme of light um, in, in all these readings and in, the, in this moment, it's sort of summarizing the theme of light all throughout Epiphany of the, uh, bringing the light into the darkness. But even in the, in the liturgy, you've already uh, this morning in the, the uh, opening acclamation I will, from Isaiah, I will make you a light for the nations. My salvation may reach the ends of the earth. There's that theme. And then in the, in the uh, collect of the day, it says, beholding by faith the light of his countenance. So there's this theme of light. And later is giving you a, a heads up in the, in the, after the Sursum Corda and the, the, the communion prayer. It, it talks about um, the, Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who took on our mortal flesh to reveal his glory, that he might bring us out of darkness and into his glorious light. So I want to kind of, by way of sort of bringing those of you who weren't into able to be a part of Revive this weekend into what we talked about, I want to use the, the word light. I, I, if you weren't there, everyone else knows I like acrostics. So I've, I've kind of built the themes we talked about into the acrostic, the word, the word light. Um, and so, so we're going to look at that. 
One of the big ideas is, is that we are the light of the world. And I think that I didn't even know when I planned to use the, the light image how, how significant I think that is to you at All Saints. And that if you didn't know this, if you look at the front of your bulletin, it says All Saints Anglican Church and your logo. And right under the line, it says what? The light of Christ. I mean, that the, the, the All Saints being the light of Christ is a is a big enough part of your your story that it's in your logo, right? And then um, and then not only that, I was just doing a little review of um, you know pre- 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 preparing to come this weekend. I was reading your your website and the, the story of the history of the church, and and I was fascinated to read in the very first service of of All Saints. Uh, back in 2005, the very first service, there was a bishop that came, and his name Bishop Bishop Cox. And on your website, it says that Bishop Cox gave this charge in that first service of this church, and his charge was this: to be a beacon of hope and light in the Springfield area. And that's significant to me. And so, as we as we look at that, the question I want to look at is how how do how is you as All Saints? A light of Christ, to be a beacon of hope and light in the Springfield area. How do you do that? And how, how might God be speaking to you about how to do that moving forward in this next season? So one of the big ideas we covered was that, that the importance of being a light, to taking that light out. Um, uh, to, as it says back in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world, Jesus said. And we're to, we're to be that light, that beacon of hope. Um, so how do we do that? One of the key ideas we talked about was a key question, a missional question for every church that, uh, that needs to think about, which is this. How does God want to use this church in this community at this time? How does God want to use this church, All Saints, in this community, Springfield area, um, at this time? And I think at this time was important because we talk about, that, uh, I, I, for those of you who weren't there, it's important for you to know that we're, we're just, you know this instinctively, but we're living in an interesting time where the culture has really shifted very quickly away from Christianity. So there's a, for a church to be, to be healthy and grow, or at least to grow, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, it, it, it was pretty easy. You just had to kind of be in the right location. And since everyone was basically kind of Christian anyway, they just, if they liked your brand of Christianity, Anglican or uh, Episcopal or something, or Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist or uh, Assemblies of God or whatever it is, people would just find the church. And so all you had to do is kind of be in the right place, have decent music and decent sermons and decent children's program. And, and the people who liked you, you, your brand versus someone else's brand would show up. And that, that worked for many years here in America. Uh, we, people refer to that as kind of a Christendom time in America. But then, but then that, that has really gone away as the culture has moved further and further of Christianity. And so what we're now having to embrace is what um, many are calling a missional model of being the church. Where you can still be attractive and you can still tr- attract people to you, but more and more we need to adapt to say, we, gotta, we have to not just be a light and hope people see the light and come, we need to um, actually take that light out to where people are in the community around us. Uh, go to them in, in mission to build relationship and bring them in. So again, I'm saying all that to say is how do we do that? And what does that look like for all saints is a big part of what we talked about. So getting to the acrostic, uh, let's, look at, let's look at each some of these ideas. The L in the, in the acrostic, to be a light uh, here in the Springfield area. Uh, the L stands for listen to the Lord's direction. Listen to the Lord. He's the one. That key question I mentioned a minute, minute ago is how does God want to use this church in this community at this time. 
It's God's will. It's God's plan. He has the plan for you. He knows what's best. We want to listen to him. Even in our, on our gospel lessons today, it, was, it couldn't have been more clear. Uh, they're up on the mountain, and he's transfigured, and then the cloud came, as it did in the Old Testament time. And the cloud came, and the voice spoke. It says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud, this is verse 5, covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Couldn't be more clear. The message was to the disciples, to his followers. This is the one. He is the one true king. Listen to him. He is worthy of being listened to. He is the Lord. He is the king. He is God in the flesh. Um, and so we, we as, as his followers, as the church, need to follow his direction and hear his voice and do what he calls us to do. And that's important. Um, but it's also that idea of listening to him. Uh, not only listening to him, but I think that, that, for, that the... What the Lord said, the Father said to him is also important, and we talked about this a lot on Friday night, where he said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And if you remember, that was basically the same thing that the Father said to Jesus at his baptism. And, and what I think is going on there, in part, is, is the Father reassuring Jesus uh, of just who Jesus was. That you are, this is who you are. Your identity is my son. You are my son, and I'm pleased with you just for who you are. At the baptism, he hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't done any miracles yet. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't proclaimed the kingdom of God. Just just because you're my son, I'm well pleased with you, and you're fully loved. But I think Jesus, knowing who that's who he was, was able to then go out and do all the epiphany stuff of revealing himself as the Messiah. And then at this mountaintop moment when he's about to go down the mountain and go into Jerusalem and willingly sacrifice himself on the cross, it's like the father just wanted to remind him, say, don't forget, you are my well-beloved son, and I'm pleased with you. And so knowing that his identity was as a beloved son of the father, and that he was secure in that, in John John 13, there's a verse right before the foot washing where it says that Jesus, knowing he had come from the father and that he was returning to the father, he got up took off his outer clothing and washed the disciples' feet. It was so, he was so confident in who he was, where he came from, and where he was going in the Father that he could willingly sacrifice himself and serve others. And, not, and so, so this, his identity and his security was in the Father. And we talked about that on Friday night, that how important it is, and we talked about personal renewal, that as you uh, try to be a healthy church, as you try to grow the church, as you try to, um, that, that it comes out of each of us individually um, having that place of our identity and security in Christ. Uh, because if, if you're looking for that place, that sense of security and identity in anything other than Jesus and in the Father through Jesus, um, it's, it's not a sure foundation. If you, some people look for, like, hey, if my, I, I get my sense of identity and security through the, the church itself. Church is wonderful. The liturgy itself, the worship is wonderful. Um, but if that's where you're finding your sense of security and identity in, is in the, 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 the church itself, um, then, heaven forbid, Father Kalin gets up and says, hey, we're going to change something. You know, that, that never happens in the church, right? Now, there's, you know, there's, there, there's always going to be some things that might change here and there. But if that happens, well, wait, I can't. What if that changes and somehow now I'm not okay? 
But we talked a lot about this over the weekend, which is, but if, but if my sense of security and identity is in that I'm a beloved son or daughter of the Father through my relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's who I am, then things can change here and there, and I'm still okay. So it's just a long, I just love that that's in the passage this morning, this reminder of, of getting that, 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 that from Jesus himself. But then back to the listen to him, we're to listen to him and to listen to the Lord's direction. A great example of that, just in terms of how it played out in the early, the beginnings of the church in the book of Acts, was where Peter was up on the rooftop. You might remember the story. Pentecost had come, and, uh, and the kingdom was spreading. He's on this rooftop praying. Remember, the, the, he had this vision of the sheep coming down with the unclean animals in there, and the, and the, 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 the spirits that did eat of that. And he's figuring that out. Um, but I, I love what it says here in Acts 10. It says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision... The Spirit said to him, the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, spoke to Peter and said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. I just love the clarity of that. It wasn't like, what is the Lord saying to me in this moment? I don't know. It was very clear. The Spirit said, I want you to get up, go downstairs. There's three guys coming, go with them. You know what I mean? So it's very clear. And then the Lord wants to direct us in that way. It's His voice. And then, and then because of that clarity and, and Peter's willing to listen to the voice, even though it was, what, I don't know, he was able to go to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile. Who, when he got there, if you might remember this, uh, Peter's like, hey, look, according to the Jewish law, I'm not even supposed to set foot in this house. But the Spirit sent me, so I'm here. And then the Spirit came, and they were baptized. They were saved and baptized in the Spirit, right? So, so he had to listen. He, and, and my point of saying this is that we need to listen to the Lord's direction. And sometimes that the Lord's direction might get us out of our comfort zones to actually go and to do what maybe we wouldn't normally want to do. But it's His direction. And, and so I just commit, commend to you to, to really press into the Lord and hear from Him. What does He want you to do? And who does He want you to be the light to as you move forward? He'll, be, he'll, he'll tell you. All right, the eye and the acrostic of, of light and how you can uh, be a light to the Springfield area um, is to identify your specific mission field. And that kind of goes on listening to him, that let him help direct you to who specifically is God calling you as all saints to be on mission to? What, what dark part of the world here in Springfield is he wanting you to bring that light to? Um, and we talked a lot about, of course, we want to reach everybody and everybody needs Jesus and we should communicate the gospel and talk, talk to everybody. But what we're finding in the church in today's culture is it's really helpful for each local church to really say, here's the specific thing in our community that God wants our church to do. And another church might do something else. Another church might do something else. But for us, this is what God's calling us to do. And the more specific you can be about focused, you can be on a particular need in the community or people in the community that need Jesus. Uh, the more strategic you can be, the more effective you can be as you ch- continue to try to reach others individually. It's, it, uh, Paul talks about it the way he, well, Jesus did it. In fact, when Jesus first came, he says, well, I've, first of all, he's like, I've come for the Jews. That's who I've come for. You know, he did go to Tyre and Sidon and he revealed himself to the Gentiles, but there was a, he, he had a specific initially to the Jews. And then later it's to go to the Gentiles, the light, which, it, which of course it did. Paul, Paul did the same. He, was, he said this in 1 Corinthians uh, 9, starting with verse 20. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, that I might win those under the law. So he's like, so when I'm trying to, if I'm focused on reaching Jewish people, then uh, they, they know the law, so I communicate to them in such a way that they'll, they'll hear it. Same truth, same message, but I'm going to adapt how I do it to be more effective to, to them and where they are. And then he goes on to say, but to, the, to, the, um, to those outside the law, to the Gentiles, 
to the Gentiles, become as, I become as those outside the law, that I might win those outside the law. And so I, I adapt how I present the gospel uh, to people based on kind of where they are. And so it's, it, just, it helps you to be more strategic if you know who you're, who you're going to. They're just, just general. And then he concluded that, to the weak I became weak, to, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And the thought here is that, that you want to define, you know, identify from the Lord's direction as who is the all peoples, that God, the people that God wants you to figure out by all means how to save some. Uh, we did talk about the fact you have a great mission statement, which is to... to um, to, to draw those who don't yet know Jesus, which is what I'm talking about here, but there's also the fan in the flame, a part of your mission to fan in the flame those who have lost that first love. And so, so there's a both and there that, that you know, to keep, lean into as a church. All right, the G, keeping focus here, the G is, um, is to go to them. Uh, again, this missional model, this way of thinking is that so often the church historically has been able to just get away with just sort of trying to attract people to, to the church, where that can still work some, but we need to start thinking about how do we go out to them, go to people where they are. Again, this is what Jesus modeled. In, in John chapter 1, at the prologue of John, uh, bring, think, keeping that light theme, he says, that, says the true light... Jesus, the true light that gives light to everyone, has come into the world. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The point here is that Jesus came to where us. He's the true light. We didn't just stay up in heaven and be like, hey, it's this nice light up here. We'd love to have you come, come be a part of it. Figure out how to get here on your own. Well, that wouldn't work. We were capable of it in our sin. So the, the true light came into the darkness of our world, to where we are, into our midst, to reveal that light to us that we might see and believe and come into the kingdom. And so he, he, that's our call is to do it as he did it, to be sent as he was sent, and we're to go to where people are um, and, and to build the relationship. I, I talked about this, I think it was yesterday, but, um, but shifting to the fish, fishing of people idea of being fishers of men. And I think what, what a lot of our churches, I've spent my whole life in Anglican Episcopal churches, and I know it's true for many, many of our denomination, but, but, the, but the hope is that if we're going to be fishers for men, what, what we want to do is we want to like, think about, okay, here's our fishing pond, here's, our, here's the community, this is the Springfield area, for example, we're here, and there's, there's the fish we want to reach out there. And so we, we go along the, the water's edge of the, of the pond, and we, and we up along the beach area, and we lay a, a really nice net out along the beach. And it's a pretty net, and it's a fancy net, and it's very, very nicely done, and, uh, and it's beautiful net. And then next to the net, we put up a really nice sign that says, Fish Welcome. <laughs> right? And, uh, and it's a nice idea, but that doesn't work with fishing. I don't know if you, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I know enough to know that fish don't just hop out of the water on their own into the net. So to be fishers of men, and that's what we think, well, we just, but it's really, it's really pretty, and then in the sign, and they'll just come, well, some will, trans, existing Christians might say, hey, I want to go to your church versus another church, but really lost people won't just jump into the church. So to fish, for, to fish, you've got to, where are the fish swimming? Okay, let's go to where they're swimming, and then we lower the nets there, and then and that's where we go to them. And so that's all. It's all tying together. You identify who they are, go to them, uh, where they are, and again build relationship with them 
through uh, to be able to earn the right to share the gospel, which leads us to the really the last two points: the the H and the uh, excuse me, the H and the T and the the, the light uh, word. But the H is so when you go to them, the H stands for to help them uh, in relational ways. Uh, the T, I'm just going to give you the T in advance here and kind of talk about both. The T is to tell them the good news of God's kingdom and tell them the truth of the gospel. It's both Jesus came with both grace and truth. So we need to, in the pattern here, and what we see Jesus do all through the gospels and epiphany, what we see in the book of Acts that the disciples did, the apostles did, what we're to do is this kind of combination of demonstration and proclamation. There's a demonstration of God's love, of God's grace. There's a proclamation of the truth. Grace and truth. So you demonstrate through actions and through service and through meeting needs. And, to, and you demonstrate in relational ways to people that God's love. And then you tell them in, that, in, that, in those relationships and in those going to them the good news of God's, of the, of the truth that they might come to faith and be saved and be made disciples. So what's happened in, the, in many churches in, in, in America is that, that you need both demonstration of God's love in action and proclamation with words of the truth. But the problem is you can err on either side of those. And so um, a lot of churches, and again, in our tradition, has tended to err on the demonstration side, where we, where we just go and we, we, we serve and we do outreach stuff and we give food away and we give backpacks to kids and we, we do things that are good things, but we, don't, we just kind of show love, but don't really ever tell anybody about Jesus. Right? And, we, and, and I grew up in, uh, again, Episcopal Church, and, and uh, I must have heard a thousand times growing up the statement that quote, it's attributed to St. Francis. It says, St. Francis said, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. Have you ever heard that? It just was quoted all the time, which, as I, which, which meant, which what it turned out in practice in the church to mean is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, preach the gospel um, at all times with actions and I'm never, ever, ever going to use words. I'll never find time where it's actually necessary. And so it's, just, it's like, I'm just going to do good things and hope that, but St. Francis said, only use words if necessary, which meant I'm never going to do it. But then I, I realized, and I started saying to people, like, excuse me, so what you're saying is that you're going to live your life in such a godly way, and you're going to do such amazingly uh, deeds that are going to be so, uh, demonstrate that in such a way that people are going to just see you and what you do and fall on their knees and ask Jesus to be their Savior. I don't think so. Even Jesus wasn't that good at being Jesus, right? I mean, he, he actually <laughs> didn't proclaim, he actually demonstrated, but he actually used his words as well. So, so you need both. But there's others who, and again, I know you know this in this part of the world especially, um, there's others who have, who have done Aired on the side of proclamation, where it's all talk, 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 talk. You're going to go to hell, and, and proclamation, 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 with no demonstration of God's love, which has turned a lot of people off. Right? So you can err on either side. You can proclamation, we're going to be loving, and never actually tell people the truth, and you walk, you know, hold people's hands on the way to hell. Well, that's not good. Or you can proclamation, 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 and never show love, turn people off. We need both. And that, my whole point in this is that in the H and the T is that we want to demonstrate with God's love through action, through service, and really do that, and use words, and tell them the good news of God's kingdom, bring them into the church so that they may be transformed into his likeness as disciples. Well, that's just a sort of a summary of kind of what high points that we talked about. There's a lot more, um, and, and, and uh, just so you know, if you weren't there, 
I'll be continuing to talk with Father Kalen and the leadership as we move forward and sort of building on some of the things that have come out of this week. And I look forward to being able to engage with you. It's a great church. I look forward to uh, being engaged with you uh, for, for months to come. Let me pray for you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for, uh, for you, God, again, that you are a great God, that you are the one true king, Jesus. You are the light of the world, and you've commissioned us uh, to take that light into the darkness around us. And I just pray uh, for you to do that more and more in, in the life of this church as you, as you continue them through this transition time and bring healing and transformation and, and then being able to take that light to the Springfield area. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm.